I don't think anyone is necessarily born with the skills, but I think everyone is born with curiosity. And curiosity is, like we say in the entrepreneurship program at UAB, it's the one of the many superpowers of entrepreneurs is curiosity. The ability to ask questions is something I think most children possess. They, they always want to know why, why, why. And us as entrepreneurs, we want to know that as well. Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today, I have Evan Gove, the founder of Evan Gove Enterprises, a consulting agency supporting a diverse portfolio of businesses that utilize an extensive knowledge base. Welcome, Evan. Thanks, Josh. Uh, happy to be here. So I want to start off with something that I know means a lot to you, and that is entrepreneurial education. Um, so, you know, for lack of a better question, why do you think it's so important? I think a lot of entrepreneurs early on don't really understand what they want or where their path in life is going to take them. And so, at least for me, entrepreneurial education helped me kind of solidify really entrepreneurship as a career path. It helped me understand uh, just things around me better. I think I've always had a a good ability to identify problems. Um, but from there, you know, it, it was kind of difficult to figure out what a meaningful solution is or, or what a what a valuable solution is. And entrepreneur education of really any sort can kind of help you, especially if it's at a collegiate level or, or once you have experience, it can help you really understand how to take those problems um, or, or really just questions and turn them into something uh, meaningful or, or valuable. What do you, what do you think is, uh, so I, I don't know if you took any college classes on entrepreneurship. I, I know I took a bunch. Um, is there anything that you would say was taught and maybe shouldn't have been or wasn't taught and should have been? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think entrepreneurship is the hardest thing to teach because it's it's probably 90% mindset and the rest is like experiential learning or some sort of hands-on education. I think entrepreneurial students in general are so different than like a type A classical student. So I think a lot of institutions, specifically at the collegiate level, struggle to teach them really anything of any meaning. That's why you see so many dropouts that are really successful is they kind of know what they are after. Uh, or if they don't, they go, they go and find someone who can help them. Um, so I, I think, you know, I have taken a lot of courses in entrepreneurship at the collegiate level, UAB's entrepreneurship program. I don't think there was anything that was taught that that shouldn't have been. I think everything that was taught was a necessary either mindset related course or it was a practical here's how you do these things and here's how it translates to value in the real world. So I, I think if anything, 
uh, college only lasts so long. So I think it, it gives, at least it gave me a good jumping off point for here's a core base of knowledge, but more importantly, here's a mindset that you can take with you so that you can continue to learn, continue to take problems and, and create meaning solution, meaningful solutions out of them. Well, then let's continue double clicking into this. Um, what do you think kind of goes into the mindset of an entrepreneur? And the second kind of question to that would be, you know, is this something that you think you're born with? Can you learn it? Can you identify it and then learn it? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, well, two of the, two of the biggest things for me that I didn't understand early on. Going into college, I had a lot of practical experience. I had worked several jobs. Uh, I had started a company at that point. So I knew what it was to sell to people. I knew what it was to try to market to them, but I didn't always understand the theory behind the things that I was doing. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And so it kind of left me at this plateau of, okay, well, I'm doing all the same things over and over. How can I, how can I continue to grow? Obviously it wasn't a work ethic thing. It was, it was a knowledge thing. And so I very quickly realized that it had almost everything to do with mindset and how I was thinking about the things that I was doing rather than the the actual thing itself. So my two biggest takeaways are at least from, you know, UAB's program was the difference between uncertainty and risk. The concept of theory without practice is pointless and practice without theory is blind. One without the other is exactly where I started college. I had lots of practice, but no theory, no meaningful constructs to tie it to. So I was pretty much just spinning my wheels and not using all the cogs at my disposal to operate efficiently. The, uh, the other concept, which is risk versus uncertainty, it's very simple, but it's often misunderstood. Uncertainty is around us every day. I could walk out of my house walk down the sidewalk and get hit by a bus. Well, I mean, what's the probability of that? I mean, you, you could get into how much risk you take every time you walk out of your home, but at the end of the day, it's, it's uncertain. Risk is everything directly measurable. So just that one piece of knowledge helped me determine pretty much the last four years of my life. What's the risk I can take on? Like how many quantifiable things can I afford to go to zero and then everything else just completely discount it from my scope of, of, uh, decision-making basically. Interesting. Uh, I know you were an Eagle Scout. Did any of that mentality come from being an Eagle Scout? And if not, uh, the other way to answer the question would be, what did you learn from being an Eagle Scout that you brought into business? Yeah. It, it, and I think that, I think that also ties into the question you just asked as far as are you born with it? I, I don't think anyone is necessarily born with the skills, but I think everyone is born with curiosity. And curiosity is, like we say in the entrepreneurship program at UAB, it's the one of the many superpowers of entrepreneurs is curiosity. The ability to ask questions is something I think most children possess. They, they always want to know why, why, why. And us as entrepreneurs, we want to know that as well. In Boy Scouts, uh, you have 
lots of kids at a decent range of age, you know, 12 to 18, that are all kind of trying to figure out life. And really the whole purpose of Boy Scouts, other than teaching meaningful life skills, tactical fashion, if you will, like how to tie knots or how to camp or, or something of that sort, it's trying to teach you leadership. And the biggest thing for me from Boy Scouts is the idea of a reverse pyramid structural organization. So uh, what what we did, we had, I, I was very fortunate to have really good leadership. My scout troop, we had one of the largest in the area. And the way we ran the organization was the guy who is leading the the troop leader the 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 boy scout uh we called him senior patrol leader the senior patrol leader was on the bottom of the org chart the very bottom and kids that were just coming in the new boys they were at the top so you did everything you could to serve everybody that was above you in the pyramid and by taking on that organizational structure the guy at the very top was able say there's one guy at the top he's able to go to the guy below him He's able to go to the six guys below him, and before you know it, you have a really efficient organization. And like I see organizations now that are on the verge of a of, of really successful growth or a product launch, but they have this completely flipped around, and as they grow, they struggle exponentially. As the company grows, they struggle more because they just don't understand the bigger you get the more your role changes into a leadership role yeah no i, I think that's really interesting and and to just latch on to the curiosity comment i think it was or it was albert einstein but i think what he said is that he was no smarter than anyone else he was just more curious and he would ask the right questions and he was so curious that that's why he would dive to the nth degree of of learning something so um no i think that's that's really interesting and and again you know the smartest person ever uh, quote unquote, um, actually said that it was not his brain; it was his curiosity that that got him there. So I thought those. Were... Um, I know you also have a, a fairly interesting story. You kind of were talking about it earlier, but uh, how you started your mar- marketing firm? Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, how far back do you want me to go on that? The first, <laughs> however, however far you think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean. The the first marketing I ever had to do was uh, when I was 14, I started detailing cars, friends, and I realized really quickly, hey, I'm going to have to word out that I do this to make money. Um, my second kind of experience with marketing was when I started working for a bowling pro shop chain, and we realized there was a massive deficiency in the entire industry when it came to content marketing. And so I started making videos of bowling balls basically bowling ball reviews before bowling ball reviews were really even that popular we were doing them from we were doing them out of the pro shop but we were we were taking sometimes random bowlers and just saying hey throw this ball see what it does for you and and give us your honest feedback on it and um so that allowed me to take on a video marketing role for the entire company, which at the time was about 70 stores across the Southeast. And then from there, um, I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to 
I've kind of hit my ceiling here at this company and and so I'm going to I'm going to jump off and do what I'm already doing but I'm just going to find small businesses that need help with marketing. So that's what I did. My first my first customer was actually our biggest local competitor uh which was pretty funny because my marketing pitch or I guess my sales pitch at that point was hey uh you know I know you've seen the videos that I've been doing for this other company I'll do the same thing for you. Here's my price. And it was <laughs> the rest was history. What what did you charge? What would you have charged now that you've learned a little bit more? Um and ha, did you keep that business model? So I think most people will find when they start a business, whatever their first business model is is not very sustainable. They're just trying to get out there and make money. Uh so my first business model was I'll do the videos on a flat fee. I think at the time I was charging 250 for a video. And I realized really quickly that you know if I don't have some sort of retainer or some sort of recurring income, I'm dead in the water if if something goes off a of schedule or uh you know they don't release a bowling ball for a few months or whatever. So I if I was to do the same type of marketing now, of course I do it from a different angle. I usually go into the company, figure out what their needs are, and then I go and hire someone to do the actual content itself. But to do something like that, I would probably charge 10 to 20 plus times uh, what I charge however many years ago that was. <laughs> so is is the firm, it's just you, and then when you need additional help, do you reach out to contractors? Is that typically the model right now? Uh, right now, yeah. I mean, right now, I'm I take on more of a consulting role. Back then, I was doing, I was doing all of the fulfillment. I was doing uh, like at our biggest, there was four of us, and helped me with sales. I had people help with content creation, um, scheduling meetings, and pretty much just running the agency. Now, I can take my knowledge and I can package it in a way that. It's more valuable if I help you find the best just because my network has grown so much over the years. It's like, hey, well, this guy is 10 times better at this type of video or creating this sort of content. Let's work with him to get you. And what kind of uh, businesses do you typically work with now? It depends. I've I've slowly narrowed my target audience. I think now... I, I kind of stick in two categories. I stick in either service-based businesses that could be like a physical service or that could be a digital service. And I don't really have a preference over either one. I think the like if you're talking from a digital perspective, software, for example, SaaS versus uh, an HVAC company. They're both a service company, but they have drastically different expenses and they have usually drastically different kind of marketing objectives but i think a lot of the processes that are used in either industry can kind of be applied to the other uh that's probably the the let's let's go into that because that's something i definitely wanted to talk about um I know you've mentioned before that you seek to turn problems into solutions through cross-industrial 
um, approaches. And I just wanted you to kind of break that down a little bit more and what that means. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I, I had a, a hard time really solidifying that sentence for a long time, <laughs> just because to me, it was just common sense. It was, okay, well, I learned how to turn this problem into solution over here working with this company. And it might have been a restaurant, a pharmacy, a Neri clinic. But then when I come over here to the SaaS business, it's like, okay, well, that's not even in your scope of what's possible or vice versa. It, it, a lot of times technology companies are farther ahead than the more traditional uh, service companies. So a typical example would be, say you go into a company that's been around for 25 or 30 years. They're making two to five million dollars, and they have decent margins for a service business. You go to a software company that's only been around for eight years, maybe if they're bootstrapped, or three to five if they're if they have some funding, and they're cranking probably at least the same amount, if not more, with higher margins and better operating systems, and. So for me, it was it was really apparent that like, okay, a lot of these companies, especially service based, have no clue that if they just tweaked, like if they just sent email marketing campaigns, or if they just had some way of touching base with customers on a regular basis, they would be generating value basically out of thin air, which for them is completely foreign. A SaaS company only has the internet attract these people and gain value. Whereas a lot of these other companies are thinking, well, I've been here for 30 years. Everybody knows that we're here and they fail to leverage the internet to its fullest extent. Therefore, what do you think, you know, when you're going to a new client or just talking with a business, what do you think that a lot of people are, are doing wrong? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really careful. I, especially when I was younger, I used to, be quick to call out, oh, you need to fix this. You need to, uh, you know, you got to think people, uh, especially in a first generation, sometimes a second generation owned company, they've been at this for a really long time and they know everything there is to know about their business, about problems that they face and type of customers that they're going to see. But that's also one of their biggest challenges. And it's it's like they just they go completely blind to it. They, it's like going nose blind to a smell. They go completely blind to, hey, you know, we've had this kind of broken system for a long time, or we've had fairly high turnover for a long time. We just got really good at hiring faster and keeping up with the with the turnover, or we got really good at just dealing with the kind of broken rickety piece of equipment that's really a, a liability. And so, yeah, I think, I think if anything is the biggest mistake or, or um, the biggest hurdle that a lot of these companies go through, it's not being open-minded and, again, going back to curiosity, not being curious enough about the ways that they can improve their business. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest one for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. And another thing that I guess I wanted to discuss is I know that you have worked with a few businesses that maybe think that marketing is just for growth. 
and they're not using it for other aspects of their business. Um, do you have anything to share kind of on that? Yeah, it, that kind of goes back to the, you know, not being open-minded and curious. There's, <laughs> I've worked with companies that they, they have this problem. Most of the time it's self-inflicted and they have no idea what the root cause is. So one company I was working with, look, we don't need to do any marketing. Plenty of customers really can't even keep up with the customers we have. We have a wait list. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, wow, these are great problems. And they're looking at me like, we don't want more problems. Marketing equals more problems. And I said, well, why does marketing equal more problems? We're going to do the marketing for you. So why, how is that a problem for you? Well, we just told you, we, we can't keep up with what we have. And so in 30 seconds, I was like, well, that's an easy solution. You need to market for more employees. You need to market for branding purposes so that people know that you are hiring because you can't keep up with business. Hey guys, we have so much business right now. We're on a hiring spree. So I see that especially in smaller companies, I see that more than most people would actually believe. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because I think the lesson to take there is marketing is not just for net new sales, right? Like marketing can be applied to multiple aspects of the business. And a lot of times if you do, if you are able to highlight uh, the issue, whether it be we just need more people in here, you can use marketing to solve that that pain point. So um, yeah, I know we talked about that before and I thought it was just really important to, to kind of mention. Um, switching gears here, you know, going, talking about just data and reporting and tools. Um, do you have any thoughts on data and, and what tools do you use? Yeah. I mean, obviously data is important. If you're not tracking it and it's not measurable, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> there's, um, that's a huge mistake that, uh, I think hinders a lot of SaaS companies early on is they're not sure what data to actually track. And then once they have the data, they don't know what to do with it. Uh, I think some of the best tools as far as tracking, just from a broad perspective, if you don't have much analytics experience, but you want a tool that kind of grow more into, I think Google Analytics is great. Tools like uh, Mixpanel or ChartMogul, they're fairly popular, but they're popular for a reason. Um, they're really good at tracking lots of metrics uh, and down to like the nth degree if you're really trying to squeeze value. And there's, I mean, there's been others I've used over the years, but those are, those are kind of the main ones. And if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Whew. The good one. Um, I think from a, from a macro perspective, on the broadest level, uh, it would be, how to value what you do properly. I've seen so many really incredible marketers undervalue themselves for many, many years, and it really stifles their career. And I think they could help a lot more people if they realize that, you know, instead of charging 2000 for this, wh why is it not 4000 Now you have more margin to do more marketing. You have more margin to hire better people to replicate what you do. And really the whole marketing ecosystem becomes better. 
really whatever industry you're in becomes better because of it. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. And a couple more questions. Um, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? Well, it depends on the setting. Uh, <laughs> the setting, I think the setting that I'm in the most is, I think most days I'm either by myself or talking to business owners. If I'm talking to family, if I'm talking to friends, uh, I don't have many. Um, <laughs> a lot of their interests have nothing to do with what I'm really passionate about. I, even day to day, I really don't feel like I talk about what I really enjoy enough. I mean, at the end of the day, I enjoy business. I enjoy business growth. I enjoy innovation, marketing, sales. So really everything to do with growing a business is what I enjoy. And this is, this is the first year that I'm really making a push to have more conversations like this and to talk more about it. Because I enjoy it no matter the the day, the time, the setting, whatever. Yeah, no, I know. I think it's obviously really important to to find those people that, that connect on those subjects. Uh, when you start saying that kind of stuff to someone who doesn't want to hear it, you just see it go. Phew. So I hear one out. Um, last question is any kind of booker or podcast recommendations? And that can be business, marketing, doesn't have to be kind of anything that, that you find entertaining. Yeah. Or valuable. I, I try not to read or look at anything unless I feel like I'm getting some value out of it. I'm the same. <laughs> Which, you know, it, entertainment, it, it does have Although people that fiction uh, <laughs> would argue that you're getting a lot more out of that than, than nonfiction, but uh, that's That's right. true. That's that I, I prefer my curiosity and my imagination to create value in the world, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, just within... The last few years, I, I think one of the the big ones would be. Well, I, I really have a few. I, I think. Give me a wall. I think uh, the 10x rule uh, is always going to be mm -hmm. on my list because um, I read that when I was several years back and was like, "My gosh, you know this guy's this guy's got it." Um, is that saying that in order to kind of beat the current competitor, you need to create something that's ten times better? Yeah, 10 extra by Grant Cardone. Um, basically, like whatever you think you want to do in life, it's going to take 10 times the effort, 10 times the money, 10 times the commitment. And like, that's just what a lot of business owners don't get. It's going to take way more than you think. So 10x is that. Is there is there a little bit of like, you know, Had you had you known that in the beginning, then you wouldn't have gotten involved, or is it just a you know either way? You should just know that this is going to be harder than you think. I think I think if anything, like I think true entrepreneurs see that as like they see challenges as exciting, and so I've really always seen challenges as exciting. Now my challenge is how can I find the highest leverage thing to do so that I can play the game at a higher level. So to uh. 10x rule, uh, millionaire booklet. That one's great. Also, Grant Cardone. Um, uh, $100 million leads by Alex Ramosi, or really anything written by Alex Ramosi is fantastic. Those are, those are kind of my big ones. Of course, there's lots of atomic habits and like just books on like self discipline. But I think 
I think as far as business specific, Alex Mosey. That was great because it's funny that you mentioned the topic habits. Uh, one, that's probably the most recommended book in general uh, for this. And, and, you know, of course, I want to hear which books are brought up more and more. Um, but I love hearing the ones that no one brings up. Um, and I think a few of those, I, I don't I, I kind of fit that. So so thank you for the, uh, the book recommendations. Um, any podcast that you listen to? Uh, well, The Game by Alex Hermosi. Um, <laughs> that's a really great one. I do watch, uh, like, I, I watch a lot of, like, boot camp recaps from ClickFunnels. Anything that, oh. any interview with, with Brunson, he's a good interviewer, um, usually shares a lot of good insight. Yeah, I, I, I think I get more value out of, like, the recaps than the actual podcast, unless it's, like, a podcast interview where they're really diving into a subject. Yeah, I like that you actually even more than the individual book gave names. Uh, so I think I'll I'll definitely be diving into some of that. Uh, so as we come to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to you know mention how people can find you and and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah, sure. Um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere uh, at Evan Gove. My website's evangove.com. Pretty simple. Emails Evan at evangove.com. So uh, if you're a company that is grow, you're kind of plateaued, whether you know what the problem is or not, that's what I do best is figuring out where you're currently at and how to get you to where you want to be fast and as efficiently as possible. Awesome. Uh, I thought this was a great episode and I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I hope everyone has a successful day. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.